Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 91 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and my guest today is a riot. We actually chatted for 10 minutes, more than 10 minutes, actually, um, before I even hit record in this interview. It was so much fun to talk to. We talked about a lot of cool stuff. So my guest today is Jordan Wilson. He's a freelance designer under Jordan Wilson Designs in Portland, Oregon. He is also the second host of the Creative Course podcast. The first host being Nick Longo, who, if you remember, was my guest for episode 21 of the Quickie Podcast. Seems like forever ago, but it was not that long ago. During this episode, Jordan and I, we get into conversation about what inspired him and what led him into design. He was into music, he was in a band, and all of a sudden he's designing merch and album covers, and that was his gateway. He kind of went, I like this design thing, and explored it, and boom, here he is doing some kick-ass work. We also get into some painful stories for him when he started the journey of freelance. The stuff that you might not think about, you know, when you're trying to make that decision. Things like onboarding of clients, accounting stuff, getting proposals ready, those kind of things. He also tells us an awesome story about a project that he's so proud of where he was able to brand overhaul a brewery. And he's really passionate about that brewery design and that aesthetic. Guys, there is so much jam-packed into this episode. I'm sorry, I'm still talking. Let's get right to it. My amazing guest, super fun guy, Jordan Wilson. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Jordan, how are you, sir? I am doing... I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. I thought you were going to say swell there for a second. Swell's a good word. Yes. Well, I'm doing swell. (laughs) (laughs) Doing dandy. Awesome. I'm doing awesome. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, we made it work. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Finally, things aligned. (laughs) Um, That's right. So I don't mess around. Let's get right to it. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Great. Uh, Okay. My name's Jordan Wilson. I run a little creative studio here in Portland, Oregon under my name, Jordan Wilson Designs. Uh, We specialize in brand strategy, development, packaging. I do some photography. Um, I'm 5'11", and I tell everyone I'm six feet. And I like to sleep with a fan all year round. I like karaoke. My favorite song is Rich Girl by Holland Oates. Oh, so good. It's so good, man. It's so good. Uh, it's it's just tested true. It always works. Uh, it always works. Just got that right vibe. <laughs> you, you can service the younger audiences, right. get the older yeah. audiences in there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's that's really the core of who I am. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I got my quote already, man. I'm 5'11". <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's it. Show's over. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, it was great being here. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's great, man. Jordan, so how long have you been doing Jordan Wilson Designs for? So I've I've 
tickled the freelance game for years. I've gone full in relatively recently, meaning like no safety rope of like that sort of half day job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been doing project work with clients for I, man I, eight years or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. So I'm going to take you back even further than that. Cause I want to ask you about your childhood and what that yeah. was like. And do you feel you had a creative childhood that kind of led you in this career path? Yeah, my my childhood was solid. Like I was fortunate enough to have like two really supportive parents and a really good group of friends that were pretty creative. Um, I think I've always kind of had that creative drive somewhere, you know, like as a kid, I love to draw, which isn't that uncommon. But I do remember like creating characters and within those characters, like little backstories of like who they are, where they come from, like what kind of outfit they're going to wear, like you know, as a kid, like, do they have a weapon? What kind of what? Like, I create this whole world around that yep. instead of just like, the drawings, which is funny. Like, cha- you know, we're sort of reflecting on like that's what I'm doing now, right? Like, we take a brand and you create like this little backstory on the characters. Mm-hmm. So I've always kind of like been inspired by that. My dad was a he is a carpenter, so like there's some creative aspect to that. Like, he creates stuff. So like working with him in the shop, uh, I've definitely, yeah, I think I've had a pretty good creative outlet as a kid that's sort of carried through to i guess provided me to where i am now that's cool so how did you go from that creative kid to pursuing graphic design as a career what are some of the highlights of that of those steps yeah you know graphic design is relatively i think within like the last decade of my life i've started to you know hit it more and more but Mm -hmm. like a lot of designers i came from music like I went to, I studied music. I, I was in a band. I moved to Portland in a band mm-hmm. to pursue music. And then, you know, within that, I would do like our album covers. I've always worked off like bootlegged Adobe stuff, you know. Yep. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I do like our album covers, merchandise, and it did well enough where like other people would have me do their stuff. And then I was like, man, I'm making money here, whereas the band you just you don't, you know, it's really <laughs> yes. hard. And so I sort of just transitioned like into that a little more into like I started doing like outside of the bands and maybe the venue would have me do stuff like now I'm working with real clients Uh and so really music took me to where I am into like my first job which was a brewery which Uh I still work for which is uh, they're called Old Town Brewing but they were like my first ever client real client that I still work with that's so cool. you see me go from like not knowing what I'm doing to kind of where I am now, like <laughs> sort of know what I'm doing. <laughs> That's cool. They've had, like, had your back through the whole process. It's been fun, man. Yeah. Like with that, with them, like they, they had a camera. So I learned photography through them. And like, I do a lot of video work, which they were like the guinea pigs of all that stuff, you know, even lightly web design, all those kind of little things. was like, they were sort of the test subjects from like really where I started to where I am. And it's mm-hmm. fun to, that that progression has been awesome. That's cool, man. I really yeah. like that. So what was the what was the band's name that you moved to Portland with? Okay, yeah. They, we were called De La War, uh, which is three words. Um, and it was like a pop. Like There were three singers, and they're all like vocally trained in California. They're great. So it's like really like harmonious, like pop-centric stuff. I don't really know how to define it. Like many bands, like, <laughs> don't label us, man. But yeah. <laughs> it was like, like a vocal pop kind of stuff with like yeah. lots of harmony. It was fun. Don't label us. We're just creative, man. Yeah. <laughs> we play what we feel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, so music was the music was the gateway. That's right. Yeah, which is not uncommon. Like most designers I find, it's like that's how they start is, you know, they're all musicians of some sort that kind of entered the same way. Yeah. Okay. It's either one of two things. One is yeah. skate and surf culture. 
There you go. Or yeah. music and punk culture. Those that's are the two right. things that come up 90% of the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. That's I mean, that's or at least, you know, most people like I didn't go to school for uh, uh, design. Like mm-hmm. I, I learned through mistakes and just messing up. But like I find the people in my boat who kind of like entered in this realm were the same. Right. Like yeah. there's agency people that maybe got in that way or if not, it's usually through music or some yeah. sort of like skate punk culture. Huge. Definitely. Yeah. So back in during that transition, was there what did you start noticing about design in the world? Was it just the I'm designing merch and I'm designing album covers and hey, this is working? Was that what sort of ignited that fire for you? Yeah, I think I think it was partly that. And then also like seeing those little like, you know, sparks of success of like, you know, maybe the band's done t shirts, mm-hmm. but the one I did is just selling really well. And like, well, I wonder what it that is. What you know, what part of that what's working? And that feels good, right? To have any design. I still think my favorite part about being a designer is like putting something out into the real world, like even a beer label on a shelf and like seeing how it does, especially with a rebrand, like seeing how the new brand does. And so that was a massive drive for me, just like those little sparks of success for Mm -hmm. things I was doing, not really understanding what's working other than like it's a cool design, but trying to figure out like why it's working and I want to replicate that. I want to do that more That's and then cool. make money from it. <laughs> it's not like design understanding and sort of exercising that. Yeah. Cause I didn't know. I mean, obviously graphic design is, it's not just artwork, right? You're like most of it's like you're, you know, finding a solution or fixing a problem or something right mm-hmm. through a visual language. And that took me, you know, a couple of years to really understand, like, I, I want to know why this is working. I want to know the rules and the laws, which you know, I think is great for everyone who goes to school. Like you kind of come out of the gate with that knowledge. Whereas mm-hmm. I had to like just mess up a bunch to kind of, you know, <laughs> read enough online or like make those mistakes enough to like figure that out, which is a great way. I like, I learn that way. I learn way more from failure than success. Success yeah. is the drive, but the failure is like the education. Definitely. That's the stuff you need. Yeah. Yeah. So and I still I use that way. I mean, when I mess up nowadays, it's still like, okay, that's okay. I'm going to learn a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, good. I'm pushing boundaries. I'm learning. This is good. Yeah. Well, good with thing. freelance too, it's like most freelancers, like, uh, can you do my first video gig? It's like, can you do a music video? Like, wow. Well, uh, yeah, I can definitely do that. I've never done it, but like, yep. I'm going to figure it out. Yep. I'm the guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely your guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, is there anything that stands out as maybe the most influential design um, in that time period or in your life so far? So influential, I mean, it, it's probably going to be with Old Town just because they've influenced like my abilities and, and really crafted me. Mm-hmm. They let me craft myself into like who I am. Mm-hmm. So I would 100% go with Old Town Brewing as influential. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I want to ask now what designers or brands that you're watching that you, mm. you know, closely follow and what about them do you like? Yeah, man, there, there's so many, I think, especially nowadays, like it's so easy to just absorb everyone's awesomeness. But I do think like probably one of the first that really dug into like, I need to get better was DKNG mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. Like first and foremost, like the, uh, everything they do is so good. But two, they were kind of, pioneering they're at the early part of just like they showed process at a time where designers weren't always just like open about the process and willing to explain and you know mm. there's value in that obviously now you have people who tour the you know country with workshops and seminars you have skillshare all these things that like it's a market now mm-hmm. but i'd say five years ago it really wasn't the case people were kind of like you know kept things close to the chest whereas dkng 
they're putting out like literal like video screen captures of like their process of them getting through the mud. They were like doing early classes and stuff like that. So they've always been a big influence and just like not only do I want work to be as successful as them, but I like how they, you know, handle the community. I like how they're part of the community. They built mm-hmm. a lot of community. You know, they're sharing the nitty gritty and we're almost the first yeah. ones to do so. That's the thing. It's like, which is now everyone does it because it's, it's actually, you know, it garners engagement, which is great mm-hmm. with a social media driven market. But like back even five years ago, really wasn't the case. Designers are not oh. that open. Of like, what font is that? Like, I'll never tell. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. How do you do that texture? Like mm, secret. Top secret. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it behind a paywall. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> awesome. Um, so since we're talking about process, I want to yeah. ask you about yours. You might not think it's special or unique or makes you know any difference at all, but yeah. I just want to hear a little bit about it from you and what might make it yours, your individual process. Sure. Uh, I think it's probably not uncommon to say it like it changes and evolves within really every project. Like I, I adapt certain things every time I like reshape my process, but mm-hmm. recently I've been trying to shape it more towards I, I, I want to design <clears throat> with a purpose. And so projects are like, I'd like a logo. Okay, that's, you know, I just learned a lot in the industry where it's the most important bit is just purpose is everything. Like uh-huh. it gives you the brand guidance, it gives you your brand the voice. It allows clients like tell their truth and create the culture around the idea. Uh-huh. So logo isn't a purpose and it's not a brand. It, I, I want to I wanna take an idea and then create a whole thing around that, a whole strategy around that. Yep. And so I'm trying to figure out my process is like, how do I find the right clients that one value that and two, you know, are willing it valued enough to like pay for that mm-hmm. as a service. Like I don't just want to do like thin, shallow logos. They're fun. I get it. I can make something look good, but if there's no reason behind everything, I just think it does disservice to, you know, the brand itself and then the consumer. And so my process is trying to find those clients who value creating that. You know what? That's interesting you say that because earlier on you had said that even when you were younger, you were always inspired by the story and understanding the story, the why. Yeah. Well, those are the parameters. Like I, and I say this enough where it's like, I, I think outside the box within a box. So like, I like those parameters, like let's figure out your story and why, because I'm going to take that. And that's, that's going to define what I create versus if I don't do that, and this is, I was guilty of this early on, like I just would create things that are like were trending then. Mm-hmm. And those logos would fall flat in two years because it changes so fast, mm-hmm. right? You get those like shallow logos are like, it looks great right now, but it's not based on anything mm-hmm. and it's not based on the brand and who you are. And so therefore it's not going to work in a couple of years. It's going to look played out, mm-hmm. right? And then you have a whole slew of problems. And so and I'm much more interested in like, again, I want to know who they are as a company, right? I want to know, one, how they're making the world a better place, mm-hmm. or two, what problem are you fixing? Because if you can't answer that, I think, I just think all the best brands in the world can answer those two questions. And so I'm trying to pull that out. So most of my process now is like, okay, you want a logo, but like, let's talk about your story and your brand pillars and your messaging and your voice. Have you defined this? And if they haven't, then I want them, my goal is to try to get them to take a step back and understand that value. So it's a lot of educational process. Mm-hmm. And also just finding the right clients that immediately kind of have that understanding, mm-hmm. which is a toss up. It's difficult, but I find like the most rewarding projects are, you know, it's stuff I can handle within that. When it's an alignment of that. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. 
So Jordan, I know we were talking before I started uh, recording here about some of the challenges that you've experienced in you know print and labels <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. Um, so the next couple of questions I have for you go down part of your career where you made some mistakes, you learned some lessons, and I want to pull the stories and lessons out of that. Mm. Um, so what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? I think the most challenging and it's still a challenge is, is really within the freelance side. When I, when I took that safety net of just like, okay, that's my day job and I'll be fine. It was uh-huh. cutting that and then understanding the business side of freelance, uh-huh. right? Like, and, and maybe it's not specific enough, but it's just, it, it comes down to like, it's not just design anymore. Like I email and conference call and invoicing all these things that like, I didn't realize were going to be most of my career now. Uh-huh. Uh, it's something I had to struggle with and actually learn to enjoy. Cause if you don't, then maybe <laughs> freelance isn't right for you. But like, or if you don't like talking to clients or selling, I mean, it's a lot of selling. I think design is mostly customer service, uh, freelance design. So it was really figuring that, that out and starting to like doing that more and more to the point where like, okay, it's not, it doesn't feel like a crunch. It doesn't feel like a, you know, it doesn't wear me down. So what are some of the things that you had to learn to love? Like <clears throat> accounting? Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it was onboarding for one, right? Yeah. Like, so a client's like, we have an idea, uh, especially when you get, you know, a, a bit larger clients, like it's not just, you're not fortunate enough to just do things through email without saying an RP or some sort of proposal. And so I had to really, I like figuring out my process. I, I've developed templates where it's like, okay, if this is going to be a brand project, like I have a PDF that's like an onboarding PDF. It's uh-huh. taken through A to Z. It's like very design oriented. We can, you know, what are you looking for? Let's establish goals. Here's some work I've done in the past. Here's examples. Uh-huh. It's, it's developing that, which takes a ton of time and there's no money. You're doing that stuff for yourself. So uh-huh. you're working for free, but seeing the results change uh, pretty dramatically with, those kind of templates and those processes really inspired. And it's something I'm, I'm actually really liking. I like fixing, I like, to, I like the business side of things. It's sort of come around to that side yeah. of design. So you started to like dislike them because they're almost like the least sexy part of the job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely, but you can make them like, you know, I, you can make them sexy. I guess the sexiness is like how effective they can be. Right, because if I do in that, end, if, I, yeah. if I put together a proposal just in an email with a lot of words, I will say like most people probably aren't going to read that. Yes, uh, and so if I can put this together in like a, you know a, a ten to fifteen slides that takes them you know linearly through A to Z and get them inspired, like well then I my chances of landing that job are way higher, mm-hmm. and I'm competing against you know a, a good indication is like agencies do that. They yeah. have a whole team that, but their process of like onboarding and just you know sending you know, concepts out and then contracting, like all that stuff is so streamlined and it looks good. You're uh-huh. getting that like top shelf experience a lot of time with agencies, though you're paying for that overhead too. But like, uh-huh. I want to mimic that enough because I know that's who I'm competing against, at least now in my career, a little uh-huh. bit more. Yeah. And if I'm just going to send, a, you know, a blank white canvas with black text only, odds are I, I might not land that job. Yeah. So seeing it succeed is like, I like it. It that's makes me want to do it more. Part. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Yeah. Jordan, I want you to take us to a story now about a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. I want to know what that felt like and what that was like. So take us to that story. Yeah. I uh, Starting off, there were just a lot of these because I didn't really <laughs> understand what I was, you know, I was doing. And 
I think young designers are just prone to like getting taken advantage a little bit of like scope creep or, you know, mm-hmm. you just don't have that, that confidence in standing up. But yeah, man, my, a bunch of my first projects, it was all kind of the same pattern of we didn't, I didn't do any due diligence of like triggering it, figuring out who they were and their brand stories. And so the designs were shooting in the dark. Right. And there's a couple of them where it's just like, it went on for just months and months sure. of just like shots in the dark. No, you don't like this. Okay. Well, we'll go back and try it again. And I, again, I wasn't confident enough to like, We've done 30 revisions <laughs> and changing like slight variations of color to this point where it's like it's out of control. Uh, so it definitely I mean, those were like dark days of my design career, especially starting off because like I don't think this is for me. This seems like if this is the way the process lives, like I can't handle this. It brings a whole lot like, of self-doubt. And a lot yeah, of, and, yeah. And by the end, you have this like terribly Frankenstein design that that is just not something you're proud of and you know mm. it's not as good. And that's what they want because, you know, it, it, it got to the point where, like, yes, clients, sure, they 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 have the final say, but they don't know best a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And young designers, I just feel like, at least for me, without that experience, I didn't have the confidence to, like, kind of guide them or educate them. Because I didn't, you know, I felt like I had that, like, imposter syndrome. Like, I don't know if I should be doing this. I don't really know enough. I can, again, I know the programs and I can draw, but... Mm-hmm design is so much more than that especially working with clients so specifically like there were just a number of those where it just went on enough where it just almost took me out of the game or things were like i didn't have my contract in place so like i didn't get paid and what do you do i don't have you know as a young designer like i don't have the money to file a claim and actually get you know like that that not getting paid is i've had it happen a couple times and that is a killer because mm-hmm. there's not much you can do. I mean, there, I mean, and short of spending money mm-hmm. to make little money. I mean, I was charging 300 bucks for a logo or something <laughs> back then. So it's like, it's not. You go sit yeah. in that waiting room until John comes through and gives you that check. That's right. Yeah. It was just like a lot of those hard lessons as a young designer who didn't go mm-hmm. to school for it. And she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But, you know, you learn it a couple of times. Like, I got to figure this out because it's yeah. either I, I don't do this or, 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 you know. But having a good community which has helped me a ton having like the seasonal designers or like mentors early on Mm -hmm. has really like helped shape like, okay, this is one. I think a lot of people go through what I'm going through and then it's really just finding those people to help you like figure out your process. Mm -hmm. And then really the biggest thing is just doing it a lot. Like all of my confidence has come through just experience of making a mistake. And like, I'll never do that again. And I figured it out or like my contract, like I didn't have that clause in there. Now it's always in there. Yeah. So it's made me, a better designer and a better like freelance businessman. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. It's yeah, man. <laughs> you got to go through the pain to know it. Yeah. Yeah. Pain is gain. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, Jordan, what is something you're struggling with in your design career right now? Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest thing is probably like work to life balance. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm definitely, fall into the category of like workaholic like i one because i love it but mm-hmm. it, it it's a little bit of an issue in terms of just i'm working the hours i work are just kind of crazy like it could be a 14 hour day right like mm-hmm. that a lot of designers like yeah that's kind of standard so it's hard for me to turn like that mode off or like put it mm-hmm. on standby especially like i have a partner and she's she's pretty good about pulling me out of it when i need to be but i i'm you know for a long time i'm getting better now but i was bad at like saying no to projects or letting scope creep happen, whatever that is. So it's really just like I need to retain normal hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when I'm in and out. And if not, I'll get back to them tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. And then being present just in life outside of like 
design and brand strategy and like that that mentality mm-hmm. can be you know if you're in it too long it's just exhausting yeah to the point where i'm, just, I'm not doing as good of work as i should be like even vacationing i'm like thinking about stuff like, what <laughs> if we could do that like you know what i mean just like just can't turn it off yeah yeah so i'm trying to get better and i'm struggling but i'm trying to get better at like just yeah having two modes figuring that out well you're aware of it so that's always where you got to start First step is, yeah, being aware. First step, step is, is acknowledging like, the problem. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> You've accomplished step one of the program. Yeah, well, freelance is tough. And I, most freelancers I talk to, it's the same. It's a, it's a pretty common symptom. It's just like, you know, you don't know when the next job's going to happen necessarily. And like, you're just trying to, you, running your own business comes with a lot of those like late night, not sleeping. Like, unless you have, I would imagine like, unless you have larger sort of locked in contracts um, yeah. where you know there's guaranteed x amount of dollars coming for the next yes. x amount of months you're mm-hmm. almost living in a bit of that fear mentality <laughs> yeah well so retainers are everything and what really bridged me into like trying to go again that agency like top shelf service was like mm-hmm. i want to work with these guys a lot so if they're a new brewery for example which a lot of my retainer clients now are just like breweries I want, I know there's going to be a ton of work and it's going to be ongoing. Like I want to make this experience like the best as I possibly can and put myself as like the most expert position I can in this scenario. So they're going to keep coming back to me. Cause then like now I have enough retainers where I can pick and choose projects more. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, for a couple of years as freelance, like I just took anything and everything cause I knew I had bills coming and I didn't yeah. know I couldn't, you know, plan my monthly budgets or anything <laughs> like that. So the biggest thing is retaining clients as a freelancer. And I think every freelancer, that's something that they have to land. Yeah. Or you live in that world of like uncertainty, which is a dark place. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) At least for me. It was like a lot of stress. Yeah. All right. Okay. I want to turn this bus around now. I want to hear about a project that you've been a part of that you're the most proud of. The one that just makes your heart sing or maybe uh, (laughs) the biggest design feather in your cap. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I so I just I'm currently going through but we just wrapped up a, a brand project for a brewery out in Washington that's not too far from me. Mm-hmm. They're called 5440 Brewing and um they did a, like a full brand rehaul and right now I, there's a lot of pride because one it's new but two it's just like they went through the process with me from start to finish like they didn't know who they were, they didn't mm-hmm. have their message necessarily, but he had purpose as a brewer so like meeting him, you know, figuring out like well, why do you, you know, right now in beer, like the favorite things are just like candy, sours, like chocolate styles, all these craziness, right? But he's like a really traditional old school brewer, mm-hmm. but he was fearful of like leaning into that. So they were doing those kind of beers, but it felt disingenuous. Anyway, we sat down like, let's lean into who you are. And like, he was really acceptive and he is, they're, they're really acceptive of the process. Like, all right, you don't do these beers. Why? Right? Like, well, because this is, you know, what we believe in. We have our, you know our purpose and our own faith and the beer. And so we're just bringing that out into the brand and scaling this idea of like beer has gotten too serious. Mm-hmm. You know, the slogan is like, we're going to put the easy back in easy drinking. And so we built this whole idea around this and that comes to like the aesthetic, the voice, you know, the mission and the vision, like we and it all was cohesive and sensical. So mm-hmm. now everything we get to do, like from posters to labels to website development, like it's all, it has parameters and it's all sensical. So like, you see the brand and you can immediately understand who they are and why they are, which is great. It's super hard, I think, to find one, a client willing to like actually expose themselves enough to like, mm-hmm. you're going to turn some people off with this, but you can't, at least with brands, like you have to find your true fans. If everyone loves you, then no one likes you. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> yes. water. 
So, so far, that's been like one of my favorite projects I'm working on and everything we're doing, it just feels right. So that's cool. Yeah. I'd say that that'd be the one right now. Dude, nicely, nicely done. Yeah. Um, so what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's so easy to be like Adobe Creative, you know, Adobe Creative Suite. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I would say podcasts for me are like huge. Nice. I'm super productive where there's like distraction going on. Sometimes for me, especially coming from the music side, like music is too distracting. Mm-hmm. I just find myself like, I got to pick up my guitar and play something now. You know what it is? Like I get, I get too inspired by that side of things where mm-hmm. having a distraction, just like people going about with their own conversation is really helpful for me. Yeah. Uh, so podcasts are big. And then I recently, within the last year, like got an iPad and it's changed my process entirely from like, I was, I didn't, you know, I, I used to just kind of go right into Illustrator, mm-hmm. but I found it was just like, if I can go pencil to paper or, you know, Apple pencil to iPad, it just, it brought, it opened up my world a lot more in terms of just ex- exploration mm-hmm. with design. So that was a big one for me. It really reshaped like how I'm tackling projects. That iPad pro is dynamite. Dude, it, it, it really is like, and I think for me, it was just getting over the fear of everything has to be polished. And we're in this world in social media now where like you see everyone's process, quote unquote process shots. And it's like, that's that's you you made it look like you put this grid on something that i'm sure you didn't use the grid and you know you put it in a scene where like this is a finished logo that's meant to be processed so it's discouraging i think for a lot of designers like my process is fucking ugly like it's not (laughs) good (laughs) and no one sees it but getting out of that and the ipad really helped me like i'm just sketching for myself to figure out hierarchy and balance and just blobs on blobs where blobs aren't you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's not pretty but that it gets it gets the process done because I think in Illustrator I go too refined too quickly. Yes, where it's like everything's perfect, and then I get really discouraged if like maybe there's a concept the client doesn't like because I I show a, a way too refined for like that first idea sketch, and if they don't like it, then it's like man I spent a lot of time making this perfect everything's hmm. centered. You know what I mean? So I find sketching is huge. It really it really brought a lot of life back into me as a designer. Oh, a lot of life back into it. Well said. Yeah. Jordan, it's the time of the show for the Ask It Forward question. Oh. I got a question for you for my previous guest, and you okay. have an opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Okay. A mystery. I like it. And I mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just please be careful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my last guest was Derek Anton. He is the creative director and designer at Graphos in Edmonton, Alberta. And he wanted to ask you, what is your dream project and why? If the, your dream project would just land in your lap, pay the price that you want them to pay, why? What is it and why? <laughs> oh, God. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I really want to illustrate like an adventure kids book really bad just because nice. i love illustration and not a lot of my projects like sometimes they're illustrated heavy but they're mm-hmm. not like really that far you know it's like very badge designs or like ornamental stuff but like a proper like page by like illustrative book i'm into so Something you you, you like even niche down a little bit there you said um an adventure kids book. yeah 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 yeah. i think i think that's right like because i was I mean, I just went right back to my kid, right? Mm-hmm. And like my kid self and just my favorite things were like those adventurous books that had like really interesting illustrations of just, 
you know, a bit fantasy, yeah. a bit like folklore of some sort of like just adventure. I, I like mm-hmm. that avenue a lot. So I would love to do something like that. That's for cool. sure. Yeah, just like straight illustration. I like that. As soon as you said it, I remembered the books I used to love as a kid were the yeah. Choose Your Own Adventure books. Right? Yeah. Did you ever read those? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Get to the end of chapter one, and do you cross the channel with the crocodiles, yeah. or do like, you walk over it? <laughs> Go to page 42. It'd be fun 42. to like, develop something like that. I, yeah, that would be An a dream. illustrated version of that. That would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be super cool. I'm in, yeah. man. I'm All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, Jordan, what is the question you would like me to ask the next guest? Oh, man. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, I this is awesome. Just bring it back. Go, this is awesome. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you mine. Yes. I think, and you know, I'm feeling a little on the spot. That's okay. But I think it's going to be something by Creed. Oh. Do you remember Creed? I do remember Creed, yeah. Higher, maybe higher. That was one of their there big you go. hits. Can you take me higher? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh, yeah. You can I'm, get the people. I'm yeah. struggling with the high notes these days, but I'm yeah. working on it. I just work, got to work with my vocal coach and brush yeah. up on that. You seem to like mouthful of gravel and you'll be there. Yeah. Or what was the other one that they had? Um, arms um, wide open? Yeah. With yeah, those arms are like, wide yeah. open. <laughs> That's the other one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. awesome. Jordan, this has been a riot, man. You've reached the end of the podcast. We did it. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. Just after I had hit stop on the record button there, um, me and Jordan started talking about guitars even because he had a guitar hanging behind him during the interview and I had a guitar beside me that he just quite couldn't see off screen. But if you head over to Uh, our Instagram later today, I'm going to post some video clips of that interview and you'll see that guitar, you'll see Jordan, and uh, you'll see how much fun we had during this chat. Thank you so much again, and I'll see you tomorrow.